Well, so so far in this series, we have looked at we're in the Psalms, and the Psalms are the they're the prayer book and they're the song the song book even of God's people. And many of the songs that we sing in church are coming out of the Psalms themselves. So a lot of times we sing songs. Matter of fact, we're going to sing some more through our service. As we sing, a lot of the words from the from the songs that we sing in church are are drawn from Scripture. They're drawn from the Psalms. And so, so far we looked at Psalm 1, Psalm 2, Psalm 3. And then today we're going to look at Psalm 46. But these words have supplied the language when people don't know what to pray or don't know what to sing or don't know what to say. The Psalms many times have supplied the, the lyrics. They've supplied the vocabulary. When you're like, I know I need to pray, but I don't know what I should pray. A lot of people have turned to the Psalms and just allowed the, the Psalms to speak for them and they just identify personally with the Psalms and say, God, here's my prayer. And they just read Psalms to God. And, and it, it speaks what they wish, you know, that what they would wish to say themselves. And so we're going to do that this morning. This will be different in that we're going to, I'm going to look at the psalm, but then I'm also going to um, have us turn to sing some songs back to God based on the truths from these uh, scriptures this morning. So the question today is this. It's how do we move forward when, when everything we know in life is uncertain? How, how do we move forward and not unravel when life unravels? Uh, those moments in life, and maybe that's you right now, where life is just spinning out of control, how do you deal with that? Uncertainty tends to bring about fear, worry, anxiety, hopelessness, thoughts. And as much as possible, we would like to know what is around the bend, what's around each corner. We don't like the unpredictability of life, the uncertainty of life, yet life is mostly uncertain. And the future is, is totally uncertain. It, it's, we just don't know what's around the next bend. We don't know what's around the corner. And just when we think we've figured it out, and just when we think we've got it under control, and we've safeguarded ourselves, something suddenly strikes outside of our control, and, and it can rattle us. Uh, several things are going on in our world right now that, that are just rattling us. Natural disasters is one of these major categories, and it's, it's going to show up in the text we're going to look at. There was... You know, just a massive 7.1 magnitude earthquake in Mexico just recently. That devastated families. It devastated people. 396 people died near Mexico City. And, 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 and then the aftershocks, and there's still this question of, is there more aftershocks? Is it done? And there's just tremendous instability with that, with what the earthquake caused. And here in California, some of you have lived through some devastating earthquakes there's some folks that have been through some of the major shakers that our state has had. And, um, but, but the big question for many is, when's the next one coming? When is the big one coming? And we just can't see. We can't, no one can predict. All we know is we happen to live right, right along the fault lines. You know, of, uh, and so there's this prediction. Are we prepared? And that, that category of natural disaster is a big source of uncertainty. Another one is economics. There's economic uncertainty. Uh, about 10 years ago, our, you know, there was the Great Recession. And right when we were starting our church, uh, the world markets, there was a huge economic downturn in the world markets. And there was major crisis for our housing. Uh, all sorts of houses were foreclosed. Lots of people lost their homes. Uh, lots of people lost their jobs. Uh, people who planned to retire um, during 
that period couldn't retire because the stock market plummeted. Some could, but many couldn't. They just had to wait. And so they stayed in the, in the job force, which meant that many uh, college students or 20-somethings that, that were trying to find work couldn't find work. And so there was all this economic instability and uh, businesses fell apart. And, and many of you have experienced that to some degree. It's been a roller coaster financially. That's a source of uncertainty. If you're a parent, then you experience uncertainty probably every day. You can't control what happens with your little one. Just when you figure out like that next, that stage, they change. They grow up. And you, just when you figure out like how to feed them, now they're wanting to crawl, and you're you're. Uh, you can't anticipate everything that's going to happen. And my, my youngest is eight, and my oldest is fourteen. And again, it's, it's the questions of what do they need. Now, what will they need in a year? What will they need when they launch into the, into the world? This, this changing dynamic for parents is a major recipe for anxiety. Uh, the job market. You know, you get interested in some area of, of a career. You start getting training. You start getting your education in line. You gain, gain some work experience. You put all your eggs in that basket of a career. And then new technology causes the field that you studied or that career that you were prepared to do to become obsolete. And now you don't have a plan. What do you do? What do we do with the uncertain nature of life? I'll tell you what we want to do. What we want to do with uncertainty is we want to find some place, some city, some location, some circumstance that, that can create some security for us. For thousands and thousands of years, we have been trying as people to protect ourselves from the outside forces. We, we try to protect ourselves. What we do is we build fortresses. This is what we do. Man-made fortresses. Literally, here's a picture of a fortress. These are some sea fortresses. These were used in World War II to defend Britain. These are sea forts. This is from an article. Popular Mechanics had an article. 20 of the most impressive forts were built. Um, here's another one. Just to show you some pictures. On the top of Gibraltar, which is this... Rock is this huge rock at the southern tip of Spain, right as the Mediterranean pours out into the ocean there. It's at the top of this rock is a fort. And it seems like if an invasion was coming, you could get to the top of this fort and I bet you'd feel secure. And this is what people do is we build a fortress. We find a high point, we build a fortress. Because it seems like if we can get to that place, then we're out of reach. Uh, Windsor Castle, here's another fortress. This has been the home of the queens and the kings uh, for the last thousand years. It's pretty secure. Here's another fortress. This is a picture of a, a fort, the largest fort in India, atop a 590-foot hill. There is seven gateways into this fort. They're all guarded by watchtower and have iron spiked doors. And the thought is, again, like if the invasion is coming or if a problem is coming, I'm going in the fort and I'm hunkering down. It seems pretty secure. But, you know, there's questions still. This is what we do, though. We build forts. We find security. We, we, we take shelter. We try to get to a safe place. Even on a more personal level, we do this. We, we build fortresses. Here's some other fortresses that we build more personally. Our future plans. That's like a fortress for many. We come up with a well-thought-out plan, and we run towards that plan with all we can. We, this is what my future is going to look like, and this is what I'm counting on. This is my security. Another, it's retirement. For some people... Retirement is the fortress that you run to. And you start building towards, they call it the magic number. And if you've heard of the magic number, 
It's that number you need to be saving so that you can retire. And if you, we think if we just can get to that magic number, then I'll be in an, in an impenetrable place. Nothing can, can touch me. Or professional help is another fortress. It's when we don't know what to do, one fortress is we run to the professionals. We run to the people that have the education, they have the degrees. So maybe you think, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to run to the counselor. Or I'm going to run to the consultant. But, you know, again, the questions come up. Can, can I count on this? Another fortress is family and friends. Major category of a fortress. We assume that our family and our friends will always be there, but sometimes those closest to us are struck with sickness. They're struck with there's tragedy, there's divorce, there's major disagreements that can come up. And so it's like the fortress that we had, it, we find there's cracks in that. Another fortress is a safe neighborhood. If I, if I could just live on this block, if I could just live in that neighborhood, if I could move into the gated neighborhood, that would even be better. And then if I can install the highest quality, top-of-the-line security system, then I'd be safe, right? question for all of us here is, what does your fortress look like? What is, what is your fortress? What is the fortress? Where do you run? And then what's the condition of your fortress? Eventually, all man-made fortresses break down. Here's a picture of an old castle that is in ruins now. It's run down. There, there, you know, all of our fortresses, there's this unexpected breach on the wall and our fortresses are no longer secure. We all... We all discover that in life. The thing that we had planned to hold us up, it gets shaken. Now the question we're asking really this morning and that Psalm 46 speaks to is, is there a refuge that can last? And the good news is there really is. There really is. I, I want to invite you to take out this listening guide and, and we'll, we'll look at this passage and then we're going to sing. And then we're going to look at some more passages and then we're going to sing again. So at the top of this it says, God is our only refuge. God is our only refuge. The word refuge here means shelter. Okay, in the passage. But the refuge that you and I seek out in times of trouble determine how well we come out on the other side of it. The refuge that you choose. If we run to a flimsy refuge, then we crumble inside because it cannot hold us up. Uh, but these are some promises that we're going to look at in Psalm 46 that we can actually hold on to. Um, it starts with, Psalm 46 one actually starts with, God is our refuge. Now in in... This psalm, many have been running to this psalm and reading it and praying it back to God and singing it to bring comfort. Just declaring, this is how I'm going to do my life. This, this is the truth of my life. In fact, this psalm is often called Martin Luther's psalm. Martin Luther was a great German reformer. He, he sensed that some things needed to change for the church in the known world and things had gotten off track. And so he along with several others that since that God was using to reform the church, started speaking out in questions, started challenging the way things had always been. And through his life and through much of his work, um, major sweeping changes came to the church for the good. Faith became more of a, uh, an individual, personal thing that a person could have... Um, you know, a personal relationship. And there was things that he talked about that no one was talking about. And as he was doing that, he was under tremendous attack and scrutiny and persecution and ridicule. And he found himself in tremendous trouble. And so what Martin Luther did was he would run 
to Psalm 46. He actually is quoted in saying, let us, he said, let us sing the, the 46th Psalm together and then let the devil do his worst. That, that was his Psalm. He said, when, when it was getting bad, he'd pull his friends together, let's sing it again and then let the devil do what he can. So this is what Psalm 46 reads. It says, God is our refuge and our strength. Okay, he's our shelter. He's our strength. A very present help in trouble. Another preacher. He's preaching through this passage. John Wesley, famous British preacher. In 1750 in February, he's preaching through this text. He says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. While he's preaching this, the ground starts shaking. An earthquake happened. Okay? Earthquake happens and... The very next verse in his text is this. Verse, 42, verse 2 says, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. <laughs> he just kept preaching through the passage. This is literally what was going on for him right then and there. He just continued to preach. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Though everything we know has changed, the psalmist is saying, God has not. If all of these things happen, these natural disasters happen, God has not changed. So the psalmist says, he says, run to God. Make Him your shelter. Make Him your refuge. Run to Him. Don't, don't turn to fear. Don't turn to worry. Run to Him. And we tend to think, man, the way things are right now are the way it will always be in my life. But imagine if this passage came true. Imagine if this literally came true. And if overnight we had a massive earthquake in Southern California and you looked outside and you saw all the scenery had changed. Mountains crumble. Just things... Where'd it go? Everything, you know, things are devastated. That's unsettling, isn't it? It's unsettling to say the least, but that's what the psalmist is saying. That's the reality for many people this month, this week. This passage is describing if the earth gives way, or imagine you go home you go out for the day and you come and you turn, return to your house and you find your house has been swallowed up. Here's a picture of a house. This house was built on a sinkhole. You know, Whoever bought it had no idea they bought a house on a sinkhole. And the hole opened up and the house was swallowed up. We're going to sing a song right now. And if, if, you, if you came home to, to, to this scene, who, who would you call? Who would you call? Here's the promise. From Psalm 46, verse 1. The promise is, God is our refuge. He's our shelter. He's a strength, a very present help in times of trouble. What that means is if you and I will run to Him, He will give us the strength to deal with any trouble. And He will meet us in the present circumstances of our lives, and He can provide the help. So I want to, what I want us to do is I want us to take the time to respond to this part of the psalm and sing this back to God. The song is called, God, I Look to you and it really is it's what we're talking about and when we sing on Sundays you know we can easily just go into autopilot and just just to check out unless we are real intentional to engage at a heart level with the truth of these songs and so right now we're going to sing and for a lot of people that's what people look forward to on a Sunday is they look forward to being able to sing and say you know God Things are chaotic in my life, but but I, I am running to you right now. I'm going to declare these truths. The pain doesn't go away. 
have to, I struggle through it, but I'm going to declare these truths. And so right now as we sing, we're going to praise the Lord in the midst of the trouble. And so let's do that. Let's turn to our God who is our refuge and our fortress. to be able to to stand up and be secure but we when we're overwhelmed just like we sang we need somewhere to look we need somewhere to run we need someone to turn to and so many of these psalms 
you know, again, they, they direct us. They direct our hearts. They, it helps us land somewhere when we have a truth that we can take hold of. And we can either do that. We can either turn to God, take hold of His truth, stand on it, wait on Him, trust in Him, or we can run somewhere else. And, and we're overwhelmed very quickly when we run somewhere else. We can run somewhere else and try to find the resources to deal with our situation. And God, He, he will respect our choice. If, if we don't turn to Him and don't take hold of His truth and never really turn to Him personally, we miss out on the opportunity to be helped by the God of the universe who has all the resources that we need. He makes those available to us. And if I try to handle my life and the uncertainty of my life on my own, I cannot, I can't make it. I can't see the big picture. I don't see where this is all going. I can't find peace and stability. Sometimes life just gets so difficult that we get frozen and stuck and, and we, or we think it, we're too far gone to turn to God. It's too late. I've done too much. I've been involved with too many things. But the psalmist says, run to God. One of the encouragements in this psalm is this point here in the middle. Turning to God in the middle of uncertainty is how we find joy. This is, this is life. Life, the human experience is, we find ourselves in the middle of a story. Something is happening on a much grander scale. And we find ourselves just in the middle and we, it's like you, it's like you're, you're reading a story and you want to read to the end and see what, what's, what's the ending going to be like. We can actually do that. We can actually see where this life is, where this world is heading. And what God is doing with the grand story. But in the middle, we get frozen and we get overwhelmed. What the psalm is saying is that you and I, we can experience a peace and a joy when we're right with God, when we're in fellowship with Him. There is a, there's, a, there's a gladness of heart with God that is unlike anything else. The, 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 the pain is real, the trouble is real, but there's a peace that you can experience. A, a, a subtle life experience that you can have. And this passage, so it kind of continues. It shifts from the earth giving way, earthquakes and torrential natural disasters. Everything is just kind of is ripping apart. And then it says you turn to God. He, you make Him your refuge. And it's like when you do that, it's like you step into a city where there's peace. And inside that refuge, that city, it's, it's where you experience God's favor, God's grace. And that experience of God's favor is denoted in this passage, the next verse, by a river. So look at how, where it goes. Verse 4 says this. It says, There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Basically, there's some things flow into this, this kind of city. It says the holy habitation of the Most High. Whatever river the psalmist had in his mind, um, you know, the river itself is a symbol of God's grace and favor that flow into our life. Right in the midst of the earth giving way. We, we have some things that God provides. We have His Word. We can hang on to His Word, His truth. And we have His presence. We have His Spirit. If you know Christ personally, then His Spirit indwells you, lives inside of you. And He causes all of these things to flow into our lives. And then it says in verse 5, God is in the midst of her. He's speaking again of this this city that's experiencing God's peace. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So God can cause things to flow into our lives, the very things at just the right moment to bring what we need. 
And He knows exactly what we need. God brings hope morning by morning. We can experience His faithful work in our lives. And it's true still that things will rattle us. And it's true that there still will be pain. But all of the true stability that we can experience in life, it comes from Him. It comes, it passes through His hand. Verse 6 goes on, it says, The nations rage. Again, this is very, very relevant. The, the nations rage. We see that. The kingdoms totter. So there's a shaking going on. It says, He utters His voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the chorus. Verse 7 is really the chorus of Psalm 46. He repeats it in verse, in verse 7 and in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. These words mean... Um, the Lord, the one who commands the armies of heaven, is with us. He's with us. The God of Jacob is our, is our fortress. That's the only secure place we can run to in this life, is to Him. We can run to Him. And God is in control of history. He's in control of world affairs. We can find courage. We can take confidence if we run to Him. On September 14th of 2001, three days after the 9-11 attacks, all the living presidents gathered together along with a large, um, uh, you know, packed house of Washington officials. And they sang out Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember watching that church service three days after the 9-11 attacks. And there was, there was a lot of division in Washington, but there was a lot of unity um, at that point when people declared, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He, he's not going to fail. Martin Luther, he penned that, that hymn. No doubt Psalm 46 was part of what inspired him to write, to pen that hymn. The, the, the hymn is, is, a, is a declaration that we can run to God amidst attack from uh, trouble in the world, to personal trouble we're dealing with, to attack from the enemy, uh, Satan and his forces. If we run to him, God can, he can hold us up. Because in spite of the chaos around us, God can give us what He need, what we need to move forward in life. I want to read. I want to. If you look at verse uh, that passage that we just read, verses four through seven, we're going to sing another song, and the song is called "High Above It All." And this song reminds us again where God is, what God is doing, and how none of none of What's rolling on is in history has caught God off guard. God is still in control. So let's declare that to Him. Let's let's praise Him again. Just stand for this one.
This, as I, as I was praying last night and early this morning, just kind of going through this psalm again and thinking through and praying through this morning, there's, there's so much of life that is just not tidied with a bow. You know, there's just, there's a lot of things that don't, you know, we, we couldn't say something this morning that is just going to make everybody feel great and better. And deal with the all the emotions that that we experience, because we're in the middle of a story. We're in the middle of something, and 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 when we're in the middle of it, we we deal with the pain of it. We experience, and some more than others. Some people are walking through some deep, deep hurt, and so. But God is writing a story of faithful love, enduring love, and He provides strength and help. Look at where the psalm goes. Verse 8. It says, Come, behold. This is an invitation to come and see and to not take our eyes off the work of God. Come, behold the works of the Lord. 
How he has brought desolations on the earth. Now, this is speaking of the future. The psalmist is pointing us to where life and this world is heading. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. Now, this is what we anticipate. He will once and for all deal with sin. He will deal with sadness. He will deal with pain. He will deal with tragedy. And he will bring in peace. But right now, when we're in the middle of this human experience, it doesn't feel good. The psalmist says, run to him. He's your fortress. He's the only one that will hold you up in the middle of it. And so we have to run to him. Verse 9, it says this, he makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. This is, this is the future. He burns the chariots with fire. No more war. Then it says, be still, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I, am, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So it's important. We, when we're in the middle of the story, and it's very real, because it is, the works of God on a grander scale, if, if we can call to our mind where history is moving, where this world is heading, um, that helps us in the middle. It helps us in the middle. It doesn't take away the pain, but it helps us in the middle. And so the psalmist says, be still. Stop your activity. Be still. Know that I'm God. Know that, that I'm in control. You know, when Adam and Eve rebelled in the garden... God's plan, the first few chapters of the Bible, you start seeing God's perfect plan and God's provision, God's care for His people. But then you see sin enter the world as Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God. They chose, and what that did is it, it created a snowball effect of sin. And we're living it out. We're living it out. And it's been going on and on, and more and more people are getting caught up in the snowball. And some people are carried off for all eternity without any hope. But God loved the world that He sent His only Son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, as, as I have read the news this week and listened to the radio this week, or I, even last month with the earthquakes or the previous, you know, the, 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 uh, the hurricanes and the devastation there, and all of all of what has gone on through our world these past several months, you just God. For those that would say, "Where is God in all of this? Why didn't God stop this? Why didn't God stop the the guns? Why didn't God put an end to the to the flooding? Why didn't?" And th- those are the questions that are swirling all over the internet, all over the news. Those are the questions that you might be asking, your friends might be asking, "Where is God?" This passage, it talks about verse 7 and verse 11. It says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That The theme of Emmanuel is a theme you see in the Old Testament. That God would be with His people. What God did is God stepped into human history and came as Emmanuel. He came as Jesus. He took on flesh. He became a man. And He bore our sin and our suffering and our pain so that we could experience eternal life with Him. God is with you. God, God is making a way for people to know Him. Part of, for those that, of, of you in this room that do know Him, you have that peace and that hope uh, for the next life. And that helps you get through. The, your future hope in Him is what helps you get through life here and now in the middle. 
But there's a lot of folks, there's a lot of folks that don't have that hope. And so God, you know, may God use us to share His, His message of hope with this broken world. May God use us. May God use those of us, even in our own brokenness, even in our hurts, to come alongside people and to bring comfort, to point them to Jesus in this. Uh, He is our present. Jesus is the personification of Psalm 46. He's the personification of this passage because He is our present refuge. He is God with us. And He holds. He is our future victory as well. And He promised to be with us always to the end of the age. He's the hope that people need to know about. So may God allow us to be a group of people who live out our faith here and now. In this life experience. In this, in the middle of the pain and the tragedy. I want to invite our worship team to, to come back up to this stage. And we're going to sing. We're going to close our service. In a moment we're going to receive our offering. So let's pray. Father, we, we the, once again, God, life has been, it just seems like things are unraveling here. And so once again, we've found ourselves as a group of people looking all over the place. Some looking around for help. Some looking in themselves. And some looking up to You. Help us to look up, God. Help us to look to You. For you are our refuge. You are our fortress. Thank you, Lord, for holding our our, our eternity. God, we pray for your comfort, God, to be upon those that need it right now. God, in this room and in our lives, would you use us? Help us to not be immune to the pain and the suffering that we that we don't engage and be your your loving and gracious hands and feet in this broken world. Use us, God, we pray. We want to be used by you in our neighborhoods, Lord, on our campuses, in our workplace, amongst our family, Lord. We want to be people who who can say we've been through pain and we've been through trouble, but we have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, would you use us this week? In these troubled times, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.